am so excited about at the movies this year. Can we just kind of give it up for this? So, um, as Kate, how great is it just to be eating popcorn in church, right? That's just awesome. Um, so, as Kayla mentioned, it's been a minute. It's been actually a few years since we did uh, this at the movies, and there's a number of reasons for that. But uh, we're, we're so excited to be doing it. And I, I just got to pause for a second. Didn't our, uh, doesn't the lobby look fantastic and everything that kind of sets the mood? So our creative team has been working really hard. The, the whole lobby experience basically uh, was masterminded by Kyle Cooper. Kyle, Kyle is an amazing, he's a, one of the most creative guys I know. Uh, you could give him a $10 budget and say, hey, turn the lobby into like a movie theater place and he'll bring back eight bucks. It's just like incredible what he does. But he had some help. Uh, there were a number of folks that helped him, but... I just have to brag on our students, our student ministry. Uh, so this week was Camp Grow, and a lot of you had kids here at Camp Grow. And I don't know how much you know, the rest of the congregation you know about Camp Grow, but basically Camp Grow is run by our students. And it's amazing watching our students pour in to our kids here at Fairfax. And, and in addition to running Camp Grow, uh, they also did a bunch of projects around the church, and one of the projects that they did was helping to create that whole experience that you walked in on in the lobby. And I'm just so proud of them. I'm so proud of our students. I love our student and our student ministry so much. Would you just show your appreciation once again to our, our kids? So for five weeks, we're going to have a lot of fun. For five weeks, we're going to look at gospel themes that are present in some of the movies that have come out over the last year or two. And uh, as you've heard me say before, I, I believe that every good story has gospel themes in it. Whether the person who wrote the story or put the story together, whether they understand the gospel, whether they believe the gospel, whether they've connected all the dots or not, just for a story to be good, it has gospel themes in it. Themes of redemption and reconciliation and grace and forgiveness and hope and restoration. And the list just goes on and on and on. So we're not going to, over the next five weeks, for those of you who are going, oh, are we going to be preaching movies over the next five No, no. We're not going to preach movies over the next five weeks. We're going to preach the gospel and use these movies to illustrate the gospel. And we're going to begin, this is perfect for July 4th weekend. So we're going to begin with the iconic blockbuster Top Gun Maverick starring Tom Cruise. How many have seen Top Gun Maverick? All righty. Awesome. If you haven't got a chance to see it, hopefully we'll get a chance to see it soon. Um, perfect for 4th of July weekend. It came out actually in 2022. Some of the Stuff even that we're going to show today has previews that says coming out in 2020, but because of COVID, number of other reasons, it got delayed, didn't come out actually until 2022. And as some of you know, Top Gun Maverick is a sequel to the original Top Gun that came out. I could not believe this as I was preparing for this. I couldn't, I, I remember that movie. I kind I couldn't believe when it came out. It came out in 1986, the year I came to Fairfax. 
Like I was 12 at the time when it came out. And it's been 36 years since Top Gun came out. And uh, it's an iconic, Top Gun was an iconic movie. The original movie, which also, of course, starred Tom Cruise, is about this elite team of Navy fighter pilots who are in this air combat school that's called, kind of informally referred to as Top Gun. And uh, these pilots are talented, they are arrogant, they are in constant competition with each other, and they all have really cool nicknames. And for those of you like our Navy folks, you go, they're not nicknames, Rod, they're call signs. And I know they're call signs, but to me, like, they're nicknames. And, and nicknames like Maverick and Iceman and Goose. Okay, all of them aren't cool, but some of them are like really cool. I'm not sure about Goose. Uh, now, not only was the original movie iconic, the soundtrack, if you remember, the soundtrack for the original movie was iconic as well. Take a look. For some of you like me, that brings back great memories. For all of you who are 35 and under, you can see it on the History Channel and uh, look it up and uh, take a look. It's a, great, it's a great, great movie. Now, fast forward 30 years, that's, that's the length of time in, in terms of the movies, that's the length of time that is supposed to has, have, have, have gone by. Maverick, the Tom Cruise character, has, has never been married. He, he doesn't have, he doesn't have no, no immediate family. And he's still test flying fighter jets out in the Mojave Desert. And uh, so uh, grab a handful of uh, popcorn and, uh, and check out Top Gun Maverick. The end is inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction. Uh, maybe so, sir, but not today. And that's really kind of where the movie begins and kind of the premise for the movie because uh, Maverick has been now asked to lead this top secret mission into enemy territory to blow up an underground nuclear enrichment facility. And he's brought back to the Top Gun school that he was at 30 years before. Only his role this time is not to fly the mission. His role this time is to teach the next generation of young elite fighter pilots to fly the mission. Pilots who also have really cool nicknames like uh, Phoenix and Payback and Fanboy and Hangman. And the kind of key element of the movie is this tension that exists between Maverick and one of these young pilots named Rooster, who's played by Miles Teller. And one of the reasons that there's this tension has to do with the accidental death of Rooster's father, Goose 
who if you remember, again, if you remember the first movie back in the day, Goose was Maverick's wingman. And Goose died in a training exercise with Maverick. Maverick was flying this F-14 and, uh, and lost control of it, and both pilots ejected, and Goose never made it. And he broke his neck and died instantly. And Rooster blames Maverick for his father's death. And to a great degree, Maverick b blames himself as well. Uh, back in the day, he knows that his ego at times got in the way of his flying and that he took chances that he just didn't need to take. And if he had made different decisions that day, his friend might still be alive. The other reason that Rooster resents Maverick is because Maverick delayed Rooster's entrance into the Naval Academy. And what Rooster doesn't know is that Maverick was just honoring the dying wishes of Rooster's mom who didn't want her son to go into the same dangerous profession as her husband. So behind all of the bravado in the movie of these young pilots, there's this hurt and pain, especially with Rooster. And, and you see that pain throughout the movie, including the last part of this clip. Take a look. tells Maverick, um, my dad believed in you. My dad trusted you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. Ouch. Like all of this hurt and all of this pain that he has been carrying, and it's pain that he has held on to for years and years and years. I want you to think about your own life for a moment. Like, is there someone in your life that has hurt you or let you down in some way or caused pain for you and you are having a really hard time letting it go? Maybe someone who used to be a really close friend or maybe a relative or maybe a colleague at work and you used to be Super close, but now you're not. Now there's all of this tension. And it may not be that like the relationship doesn't exist. It may be that the relationship exists. It's just different. It's changed. There's all this tension that exists between you and that person, whoever that, that person is. And if that's true for you, and I think at different points in our lives, that's true for all of us to some degree. I just want to share with you a few insights from God's Word that I hope will be really helpful. And the first is this. You can't move forward until you let go of the past. God, speaking through Isaiah, says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Do you not see what I'm doing? I'm making a way in the desert and I'm making streams in the wasteland. I'm, I'm bringing life 
where there was no life. I'm bringing streams in the, in the desert. I'm bringing a way in the wasteland. Now, the former things that God is talking about there through Isaiah is he's referring to the exile. Israel has been in captivity to first the Babylonians and then the Persians now for 70 years. And over those 70 years, they have gone through some really, really hard stuff, some painful stuff, some life-changing stuff. And God is telling them, I know it's been painful. I know it's been hard. I know that you have gone through a really, really difficult time. I know that people have inflicted pain on you, but I don't want you to dwell on any of that because I want to do something new in your life. I want to do a new thing in your life, but you can't experience this new thing that I want to do if you don't let go of the former things. And the same is true in our lives as well. We can't move forward and experience the new thing, the new stuff, the new reality, the new life that God wants us to experience if we cannot let go of the past. There's there's a point in the movie where Val Kilmer, Iceman, the guy in the first movie that was so... Uh, cocky and, and, and so filled with bravado <clears throat> and was the main nemesis of Maverick. Like he was the, the best of the best that Maverick was trying to become better than him. But now 30 years have gone by. Iceman, the Val Kilmer character, is now a, an admiral and he's dealing with uh, throat cancer in the movie, and in real life, if you know anything about Val Kilmer's journey. Uh, Tom Cruise wrote this particular part this particular way because of what Val Kilmer was going through in his life. And now they have become friends. Now they have become confidence. Now now Maverick leans in to, to Iceman, to the Val Kilmer character for friendship and support and wisdom and all of that. And he's talking to him in the movie about the stuff that he's facing and what's going on with Rooster and, and how he still is dealing with guilt because of Goose's death and, and, and he's, he's, not, he's, he's struggling with all of that. <coughs> and because the Iceman can't talk because of the throat cancer, he types this message to Maverick. And the message just says, It's time to let go. It's time to let go. And Maverick's response, which I think is our response oftentimes, when we know there's something that we need to let go of, when we know there's something about the past that is enslaving us in some way in the present, His response, I think, is pretty similar to a lot of our responses in that situation. Maverick's response is, I don't know how. Like, I know I need to do this, but I don't know how to do that. And maybe that's where some of you are. Like, you know it's time to let go of something. You know it's time to let go of some pain or to let go of some hurt 
to let go of something that someone has said to you, to let go of something that someone has done to you. Like you know it's time to let go, but you don't know how. And if that's you, let me give you an insight from God's word that I think might be helpful. It's a letter, actually, that Paul wrote to a church that was located in Ephesus in now what is modern-day Turkey. And there was a lot of tension. Um, If you know a little bit of the context of Ephesus and the church there, there was a lot of tension going on between people in the church. There was tension going on between leaders and other leaders Uh, people that they had worked with and they had led the church together with and there was tension going on between members in the congregation and there were tension going on between members and leaders. Like there was just a lot of tension going on in the church. And Paul writes them this letter and in chapter four, uh, just like with Maverick and Rooster, a lot of, of the tension was rooted in stuff that had happened in the past. Uh, hurtful things that had been said, hurtful things that had been done. And this is what Paul says to them. Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, all anger, all brawling, all slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul says, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of all the bitterness. It's time to let go of all of the anger. It's time to let go of all the unkind things that people have been saying to each other. It's just time to let all of that go. Now, how are they supposed to do that? Well, the answer to how they're supposed to do it is actually at the end of this little statement that he gives them that it's time to let go. And the answer is is this. Paul says the key to letting go is forgiving each other the same way that God has forgiven you. Now, what does that mean? To forgive each other the same way that God has forgiven you. Well, let me mention three things that it means very quickly. First of all, it means forgive before you're asked. Forgiving the same way that God forgives you means forgiving before you're asked to forgive. Forgiveness is not a response to someone telling you that they are sorry. Forgiveness is not a response to someone apologizing to you. If you forgive others the way that God forgives you, it means that forgiveness comes first. That forgiveness is the first step, not a response to another step. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still sinners, think about this. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us. Jesus provided the way for us to experience his forgiveness while we were still actively sinning against him. Jesus died for us while we were still estranged from our Father. When you ask God for forgiveness, God is not up in heaven trying to decide whether he's going to forgive you or not, or whether he's going to forgive you again for what you have done. Like, that is not the decision-making process. His forgiveness is already predetermined. He has already provided for your forgiveness. So don't ask God for, uh, we don't ask God for God's forgiveness 
in order to get God's forgiveness. We ask God for forgiveness in order to experience God's forgiveness. It's not that we ask God and then in that moment, God says, mm, okay, I think I'll do that. No, he's already, the, he's already provided the means. The reason we ask is not to get it. The reason we ask is to experience it. To experience the forgiveness that he already offers to us. To walk in the forgiveness that he already is willing and has provided the way for us to experience. And that when we ask, we experience what he has wanted to provide for us all along. True forgiveness says, I'm going to let it go. True forgiveness says, I'm going to let it go whether they apologize or not. True forgiveness says, I'm going to move past the pain and the hurt, whether the other person is willing and ready to move past the pain and the hurt or not. True forgiveness is rooted in the cross. And the cross says the power of the past ends here. The cross says you are no longer a slave to the past. So that's the first thing. Forgive before you are asked. Like, take a posture of forgiveness. Assume a posture of forgiveness. Now, let me just give you, I, I've talked about this before. And some people have heard this and they've heard something different than what I was really trying to say. So let me just kind of clarify to make sure you're hearing the right thing. To forgive before you're asked doesn't mean that then your duty is to go to the person that you've forgiven and let them know that you've forgiven them before they've asked for your forgiveness. Like all that does is create this sense of moral superiority. And oftentimes what it does, it starts this back and forth of, like you say, I just want you to know that I have forgiven you. And the person goes, oh, really? Well, I didn't know that there was anything you needed to forgive me for, but I just want to let you know I've forgiven you too. So there, and it just kind of becomes this back and forth. Like that's not what, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a posture of forgiveness that is offered even before it's ask. Secondly, forgiving the way that God forgives you means forgive without limits. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? He says, up to seven times. Now, Peter is wanting to know what the limit is for forgiveness. He's wanting to know when he can come to the place where he no longer needs to forgive. And he thinks he's being like super gracious in the way that he asked the question. Or like, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? Like, I know, is, is it twice? Is it, is it three times? Is it four times? Is it five times? Is it maybe even seven times? I mean, I can't imagine being that gracious that I would forgive him seven times. But is it like seven times? Is that how often? Is that the limit? Is that where I can stop being gracious? Is that where the cutoff is? Is, is that seven? And Jesus 
response is, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven, which is just a way of saying unlimited. Like unlimited, that there is no limit to grace. There's no limit to forgiveness. He's saying that our lives should be in a constant posture of forgiveness because that's God's posture towards us. That God is always willing to extend forgiveness. That God is always willing to extend grace. Now, here's the reason I think that we struggle with this at times. And one, because there's sacrifice involved in that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I think we also struggle with this because sometimes we confuse forgiveness and trust. But forgiveness and trust are two very, very different things. Forgiveness is an act of grace. There is no particular waiting period for extending grace. There is no prerequisite for extending grace. You know what a prerequisite is when you take a class at school and they say, well, you can't take that class because you, you need to take this class before you take that class. This class is a prerequisite for that class. And what Jesus is saying is that there's no prerequisite for forgiveness. There's no prerequisite for grace. That there's not something that needs to happen first before forgiveness is extended. That there's no particular waiting period, there's no prerequisite that is required. Grace can be extended at any time. Trust is different. It takes time. Sometimes when trust has been broken, it has to be rebuilt day by day and week by week and year by year. And over time, over time, we learn to trust again. Jesus is saying, you don't have to wait till you trust someone before you forgive someone. That's huge. You don't have to wait until you trust someone before you forgive someone. Thirdly, forgiving the way that God forgives you means being willing to pay the cost for forgiveness. In the final scene of the movie, um, Maverick is called to, um, actually he ends up flying the mission through a number of things that take place. He flies the mission, he flies the mission alongside Rooster and all these young, amazing pilots on this life or death mission to destroy the enemy's nuclear facility. And it's an incredibly risky mission. They, they could crash into a mountain. They could get blown up by surface-to-air missiles. They could get shot down by enemy planes. Like, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong. And in the final scenes, there are all of these. I won't go into, like, all the details of it, because if you haven't seen the movie, I want you to, to see the movie. But there are all of these acts of sacrificial love in the final few scenes of the movie. Maverick puts his plane in harm's way to protect Rooster and saves Rooster's life, but Maverick's plane gets shot down. And then Rooster lands his plane in enemy territory and risks his own life uh, to save Maverick. And then they finally uh, uh, get a plane and, and fly out, and as they're almost back to the aircraft carrier, Hangman risks his own life to save both Maverick and Rooster. There's all of these acts of sacrificial love that take place in the final few scenes. 
And it's these acts of sacrifice that end up reconciling Rooster and Maverick's relationship. And when they land on the ship, um, you see that reconciliation. Uh, Take a look. Every time I see that scene, and I, I've had to, you know, just in preparing for the weekend, had to you know, watch that scene over and over again, and I cried every time that I saw the scene, and uh, that's the difference between my wife and I. Like, um, uh, she doesn't cry at movies. She doesn't cry at all. At mov- like, she cries at real things in life, and I cry at movies, and I cry, I cry at commercials. I cry at... I, I cry a lot, just something that it touches uh, in me. And, uh, and especially scenes like this, like, um, like when, the, when the folks who have, have written the movie or directed the movie, like when they like want the viewer to go down a certain emotional path and they want them to feel a certain way, you know, as they're watching that movie, like uh, some of you, like you know when they're trying to get you to feel a certain way, and some of you, I know I have some friends like this, that some of you, like, if it's like, if they're trying to get me to feel this way, I am not going to feel that way. I, I will not feel that way. And I'm like exactly the opposite. I'm just like, I know that you sat in your office somewhere and you said, this is what will make Rod cry, and that you did this whole thing knowing that that would be the emotional string that it would pull. And I just want you to know, when I watch it, I'm just like, take me away. Just like... <laughs> Just like, take me. Like, that's, I will go wherever you want me to go emotionally in this thing. Like, whatever you've kind of set up, I'm willing to kind of follow that emotional trend. So, so powerful what is said at the very, very end. Where Rooster says, you know, uh, Maverick says, thanks for saving my life. Um, which is, it has so many layers to it when you know kind of the whole story. And Rooster says, that's what my dad would have done. In other words, um, my dad would have sacrificed his life for his friend. And I realized that you were his friend, that you were a true friend. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. True forgiveness always costs somebody something. Forgiveness says, I'm I'm gonna pay the price for this other person's sin. You hurt me, but I'm not going to hurt you back. I'll take the hit. I'll pay the price. I'll carry the burden. I'll bear the cost. And that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He laid down his life for you and for me. Even when you were still estranged from your father. Even in the midst of your brokenness and my brokenness, like 
in the midst of all of that, he laid down his life for you. And when you put your trust in what he's done for you, your relationship with him is restored. It's reconciled. It's made whole. But it also does something else. It also empowers you to forgive others in that way. Because Paul says the only way to let go is to forgive the way that God has forgiven you. We're going to take communion today. Communion reminds us of the sacrifice that forgiveness requires. And in a moment, uh, the ushers are going to come forward and they'll distribute the, the cup and the bread and, and you can take that and hold on to that. And, and after we worship, um, I'll come back up and we'll, we'll take communion together. But for some of you, like this is your moment. And I just want you to I just want you to think about the fact that this is your moment. For some of you, this is your moment to say yes to God's forgiveness for you. This is your moment to let go. Not to, not to let go of what someone else has done to you. Not to let go of hurt that others have done towards you. But to let go of your own failures to let go of your own sin to let go of the things that you have done that you know do not reflect God's best for your life to let go of that it's like your moment to let go and for some of you as you take the elements and as we take communion together that's the act that it's going to be for you. God, as I take this bread and as I take this cup, I let go of my past and my failures and where I have not lived out. I know the life that you created me to live and I say yes to your forgiveness and your grace. And for others of you, you've, you've made that decision. But for you, this may be your moment as well. Your moment to let go of something that you've been hanging on to. A hurt that you have experienced. A pain that you have experienced. And because of what Christ has done for you on the cross, that that, that no longer needs to enslave you. That, that the pain from the past doesn't have to impact the life that you are living in the present and that this is your moment to say God thank you for for giving your body and your blood and dying for me on the cross and and I want to let go of some stuff I've been holding on to for a really really long time God, we just pray in the sacredness of this moment 
that decisions would be made, that our hearts would be opened, that our spirits would be in tune with your spirit, that as we celebrate what you have done for us on the cross, that it would be our moment to let go of of perhaps our sin and our failures or maybe to let go of something that has been done to us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior. Amen. Would you stand together?